0: The conqueror of Western civilization, baby. Wait a minute. No, no. (laughs) No, I don't want to conquer anything. I only wish to corrupt. That is my goal. (laughs) The Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the radar radio star, the thriller that is Savzilla is here for you for your Wednesday Q&A and just coming off whoo, of an episode that, wow, have I got a lot of email about. Uh, nothing that really we'll get into so much here in the Q&A. Actually, indirectly we will, but I think there was a, a question asked before um, that episode started, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But, boy, I got a lot of emails say Stallion, how the hell do you do that? How do you <laughs> How do you put that package together and all that criticism and everything? Look, folks, when you don't grow up, uh, effectively in Christian culture, which, you know, uh, I guess my preteen and just shy of teen years I did, uh, it gives you a different perspective on things. And you can look at it and say, oh, no, actually, there's problems here instead of just like wildly venerating things that you don't even realize are outcroppings of really, you know, rampant irrationality. Uh, so anyway, that <laughs> Like, I I think people thought I had a bunch of notes or something in front of me. Absolutely not. All that's running off of memory. In fact, you know, I had uh, someone very special tell me. Actually, the most special. uh, Tell me that... uh, Sometimes I have, I I make some, I make some pretty, I make some verbal gaffes here and there. Like I noticed a few in that episode. Um, Like I said, and I've done this a few times, I'll say like 10 a.m. in the morning. Well, no shit, it's 10 a.m. in the morning. It's, it's (laughs) a.m. Yeah, I do that uh, from time to time. But that, that's what happens when, you know, when you're running gun like that. Uh, but anyway, I, other things like I think I said AFI and I meant ARI, you know, the Ayn Rand Institute and so on. Um, and then there there were some others, too. Like, I think I said William Gibbs, I said Necromancer. I know it's Neuromancer. Obviously, I've talked about the book many times. But anyway, it happens. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, Yeah, so we we have a lot to get into with this uh, Wednesday Q&A, but uh, yeah, really glad that that a lot of people, well, not everybody enjoyed. In fact, some people hated the episode of Sovereign Tech that I did this past week, Uh, but a lot of people enjoyed it as well, and I'm always honored by that. Uh, Now, I do have a couple new patrons, and so just so you know, the Wednesday Q&A can literally be about anything. It doesn't just have to be about tech i talk about all kinds of shit obviously and it doesn't just have to be science either it could be history i know that's a subject a lot of people love when i talk about i mean in a very real sense it's your show you email or you know you contact me however you want to do that you email me and i make that happen you really get uncensored access to or wait unauthorized or unrestricted i don't know whatever (laughs) you get complete access uh to me and 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 I only have a couple rules on things I won't talk about. Uh, actually, more or less, there's really only one. So, Jute, you know, go for it. <laughs> ask, ask me whatever you want. Um, okay, so this is an interesting one. And this is definitely on the subject of history, uh, which is you know these are important things to to look into. What is the old Santayana quote? Right, uh, those who do not remember history are destined to repeat it. Well, it's a good idea not to repeat it. Uh, of course, I suppose really all we need to remember, you know, if one wanted to, to really get to the the bottom of it, all we really need to remember is that government is bad, and you know, then we can just start building the future, <laughs> you know, if you get, with without government. Um, Okay, so, you know, at some point, actually, just quick, at some point, I want to have a conversation. You know, we were talking about terms. Was that episode 311 of Sovereign Tech Prime? We were talking about terms like cyberspace, Western civilization, and all all that. At some point, I want to talk about post-national, because I feel like this is a term that gets used to talk about getting you know getting past uh countries and the idea of like nations but not exactly getting away from government and or from the concepts of government and at some point i i, I want to get into that but uh that'll be a conversation for another time even though i'm sure you'd love for me to talk about it right now anyway just coming off here of having some uh, I, I usually don't like to do this but dunkin donuts has girl scout cookie flavors for their coffee right now and holy fuck, that thin mint—that's <laughs> some good shit right there. <laughs> Even though I, I Dunkin' Donuts coffee is, is a horrendous thing. There's plenty of jokes about it in New England. Like when a New Englander dies, he becomes or it becomes a uh, a Dunkin' Donuts shop. Because <laughs> there's just so damn many. But regardless of that, those Girl Scout cookies, you know. <laughs> sometimes they come cocaine lined and you can't just have one and sometimes it's in your coffee and equally you just can't have one and you start down at that shit so i'm i'm ready to go But anyway, all right let's get into this world war ii question then we'll see if we can uh we'll see what what other questions we can get to going forward and uh oh man and do we have an album of the week that i did not see coming and i'm pissed off that i didn't see it coming but i'm glad it's here so let's do this and we're going to talk a little World War II, which I guess is a fine thing for a Jew like me to do. And boy, how many times did I rhyme there? <laughs> so uh, let me read the question here. This was asked on Patreon, so if anyone else, you know, has comments, you can find this. Um, I think it was under one of the Q and A episodes where it was asked. Uh, here we go. During World War II. Do you believe that if Great Britain had not guaranteed the security of Poland and completely not involve itself with Poland's problems, therefore not entering into World War II, that the Soviet Union would have still ruled over Poland after World War II if Britain just had not done anything when the Nazis invaded Poland and instead let the Soviet Union and Nazi Germany fight for Polish territory? Wow, uh, I love the question. Um, that is a big subject, honestly, to, to get into in a very real way. And, and you know, lends itself to some prediction, uh, you know, on my part, uh, or some uh, speculation, some alternative universe speculation, I suppose. And actually, this, this question, like, I got to give you credit, because this is a major turning point in history in a very real way and lends itself to some pretty wild possibilities. And I'm going to get into those. But I want to talk about this a little bit first. So one thing to understand about World War II, okay? Uh, there's Well, there's a few different things to understand here. Um, I am someone who, yes, I have researched uh, the World Wars heavily, okay? Uh, and it's important to understand that really World War I mean, to call it World War I and World War II or the Great War and then World War II, whatever, to call it that is entirely, I mean, it makes it sound like a sequel. And in many ways it is. It is definitely, you know, one could call World War I, if you want to put it in Star Wars terms, uh, you know, a new hope. And then uh, World War II would be really, in many ways, the Empire Strikes Back. But much like the Star Wars trilogy is a, well, would become a cohesive story, Very much, World War I and World War II are a cohesive story. They are, are in a very real way, they are one war. Um, In fact, really, maybe it'd be more accurate to call World War II the Return of the Jedi. And the time in between A New Hope and Return of the Jedi, that would be The Empire Strikes Back. And that was just a temporary reprieve, really, of a lot of European uh what 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 term should i use a lot of european ambitions or ambitions by various european countries um now i have talked about this in the past uh actually i talked about it, i think on free talk live years ago um, and i've talked about it on sovereign tech prime at certain points and i know I've, I've had conversations about it on podcasts that i've been a guest on um i believe And I think the evidence is pretty strong supporting this. Okay, but this isn't con. This isn't exactly. It is anytime you're talking about World War II, you're talking about World War One, and vice versa. Okay, like that. That's that's a main concept I want you to understand here. Okay, now in my opinion, the driving force behind World War One was the dissolution, the breaking up, and the uh, (laughs) eviscerating of the Ottoman Empire. That's really what that was about, in my opinion, was European interests for the Middle East. And in fact, everything going on today, you know, today, uh, you know, Operation Desert Shield or what would become Desert Storm, um, you know, the Iraqi war, what's happening in Afghanistan, the war on terror and all that stuff. That's very much, you know, if we're going to keep with the Star Wars analogy, we're in the sequel trilogy right now to the original trilogy. And that's exactly what's going on, because if the Ottoman Empire and look, I'm not saying no empires, the good guys, you know, no, no countries, the good guys, I'm an anarchist, you know that. Okay. But in a very real way, the issues we are, de- or even the ability to claim the issues that are going on. I mean, one can get into a debate of how much the war on terror was actually, you know, put on by Afghanis and, and so on. Um, or, you know, it was due to genuine Afghani actions as compared to actions by, you know, say various Western governments. Okay. Or the U S government and so on. But bottom line being, the current political climate, okay, in the Middle East is directly, uh, it is an outcropping, no matter what the reality is now. It is an outcropping of the dissolution of the Ottoman Empire, okay, which had, which. directly came out of one could argue that was britain's uh, push you know and maybe their ultimate aim of what would be of world war one now world war two the problem is is that to dissolve the ottoman empire other european countries paid a price during world war one and because of that price, well, the empire decided to start striking back. In this case, Germany, and that directly leads to World War II. Is that you know someone effectively said, "Oh, God damn it, you know, <laughs> we're we're not going to pay the price because you know U.S. hats in Britain or wherever else just wanted the Ottoman Empire to you know to fall. Um, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get back at this. And I mean, and in a very, I mean, I'm being very. Look, there's never just one reason for anything. OK, even with World War One, it's about a lot more than just the Ottoman Empire. I would argue that creating the League of Nations, which would come out of World War One, was also a primary goal of either creating, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what's the terms I want to look for, engineering a, a world war. I think that's also a part of the program here. But again, bottom line, World War Two is really just the conclusion of World War I, so really there's just one great war, okay, separated by a decade or so, but that 's about it now, to talk about uh, Britain and Poland and how you know how that was a turning point in history let's get into a little bit more here um, there is you know as far as Britain getting involved in World War two or at least in the capacity of standing against Hitler, being against the Nazis. And look, I know there's people who talk about, "Oh, you know, Adolf Hitler was on the pay of MI5, which is effectively Britain's, you know, like that's their that was their CIA at the time." Um, or, I mean, well, you know, MI5 still exists, but anyway, you know, Hitler was on the pay and you know, all blah blah blah. Uh, you know, if people want to get into those kinds of theories, there's certainly something to be said around that. I don't think that that directly equates to Britain started uh, or, you know, that Britain was like, you know, machineering or puppeteering, I guess, you know, machinations, but I guess, you know, puppeteering um, Hitler and that they created the Nazi party. I mean, they certainly did out of their ambitions in World War One. You know, that is a, what ended up happening in Germany was a direct response to really, I, I think, British ambitions during World War One. But to say that somehow Britain was like directly controlling and behind Nazi Germany, I think is uh, is quite a stretch for a bunch of reasons. One, only need look at Coventry and a few other cities in Britain during World War II, I think, to drive that point home. Uh, but regardless of that, there were at the onset. OK, and this is part of this. Actually, so I've read Mein Kampf. Um, I think every Jew should. Actually, I think everybody should. Um, I think that there's a reason the book is still getting published uh, and translated in multiple languages, not to espouse Nazism, but to tell you for you to see when its ugly head is rearing again. OK, um, and also, you know, admittedly, I'll, I'll put this out front, even though this might for some people, this might discredit me, but I don't think so. Um, I am of the firm belief that, uh, I mean, you know, boy, that Star Wars analogy is really working very well right now. Just like the First Order, you know, is, is, a, is direct outcropping of the Galactic Empire, uh, you know, in from the original trilogy. I think that nazism never actually really went away it just more or less went into hiding okay now I'm not just talking about South America either cuz yeah a lot of people you know a lot of uh, you know high-powered Nazi officials and Nazi supporters ended up running off to Brazil and so on I mean that's that's more or less established fact but I think there's a lot more to it than than that and I do think that you know nazism is genuinely uh, back on the rise so now the point I was going to make about Mein Kampf, the pretty much the first chapter of Mein Kampf is Hitler saying how, oh, we have to embrace our brothers in Austria, you know, pre- saying that they are the same blood, blah, blah, blah. It opens right up talking about, you know, blood brothers and, and, you know, like this relationship. It's a very racial argument right on the onset. Um, And so Austria was kind of the first country that Hitler really wanted to reach out to. Of course, I mean, that would be to position power. Granted, Mein Kampf, you know, depending which part is being written, there's points where it's written in prison. There's points where it's written elsewhere. Um, You know, I mean, that that's a political move in itself. Uh, But the other country, I mean, and and this is historical fact that Hitler actually reached out to London, uh, you know, reached out to Britain. Hey, you know, join us. You know, I mean, so Austria and Britain were really the first couple countries to get an open invitation to be a part of the Third Reich, for whatever reasons. Because again, there's never just one reason for anything. Okay, Uh, there's usually at least three. That's how the old saying goes. Um, Britain does not accept that invitation by uh, by the Nazis. Okay, now part of why I think they didn't. Except that invitation was that they would be coming in with a weekend and not. I, I think they may have either as a facade, they may have dalliance with talking to, uh, you know, to Nazi Germany. Uh, you know about about creating some kind of partnership, I can imagine that, but you have to understand, and this directly relates to what was going on with you know britain's decision to to back poland, and that is Britain really wasn't in a position, especially after world war one um to i you know, they couldn't handle a war that's that's the bottom line i mean they could handle some business at sea. But in general, they were very much behind the times as far as in comparison to what Stalin had under his command militarily, technology wise and so on. Uh, They were definitely behind America uh, and they were very much behind what, uh, you know, what Nazi Germany was developing. Of course, Nazi Germany, you know, uh, my so my grandfather actually um, actually fought in World War II and he uh, made it very clear to us that, you know, in, in with, the, with the Germans, they had less stuff, shall we say, but everything that they had was very advanced, very, very advanced um, in, in comparison. Or it was just it was produced much, you know, to a finer degree than what anyone else had. In fact, this is so well known. So my grandfather would actually tell me the story about how he, you know, he was. What, what, what would be called cleanup detail today, um, where he was going through a field of dead bodies after, you know, some kind of a skirmish. And he saw there was a Nazi soldier and the Nazi soldier was wearing um, was wearing a pair, you know, had a, had a pair of German binoculars on. And my grandfather wanted those German binoculars because they were so well made, you know, they're very prized. A lot of this German hardware was. And he goes to pick it up and then he says, you know, he's he's like, well, you know, maybe not, maybe not. And he thinks twice about it and come to find out. I mean, not moments later, are there, you know, like one guy I think ends up dying. And you find out that a lot of these bodies in this battlefield, a lot of the Nazi bodies were actually booby trapped and he would have, you know. He would have died from it if he pulled up those binoculars or something. I mean, they knew, like the Nazis knew what they had, and and that they could kind of use the mentality uh, against various soldiers. Anyways, a tremendous story. Um, yeah, I imagine it was classified at some point. I don't know, but <laughs> no, not really. Uh, I that's just I'm so used to everything being like kind of classified from when I was in the military. It's oh, it's so crazy. The nature of battlefield operations, folks. I mean, that's that's really the bottom line there. Uh, anyway, so. Britain and many other what would end up being allied powers, uh, which would I guess would, you know, effectively include France and so on, um, they really were not prepared for war at all. Um, one could get into a conspiracy theory around that, that that's part of you know like really exhausting national resources to the point that you have to do a league of nations one could go down that road i'm not going to go down that road right now okay that that is a whole other conversation all right but basically britain was in no position to enter a war at the time say the of the you know when when germany invaded poland which would be september of 1939 in fact specifically be september 1st um And there would be a pact made, which would actually, so it was like the Anglo-Poland pact or whatever, that would be made that summer of 1939, where Britain and France, to a degree, would end up agreeing with, or would end up agreeing with Poland. And this was all just to, I mean, this is all paper tiger stuff, okay, because You know, paper tiger is a term that means uh, like it's not a real tiger. You know, it's like or what's the other phrase for that? You know, the the bark is worse than its bite. Right. For the dog. Um, Same concept. Okay, so Britain does this and France signs it as well. Germany knows that it happens because originally Hitler wants to invade Poland uh, in late August and he delays it just by a few days. By about a week, he ends up delaying it. But he knows that this is happening. OK, um, there's another deal that goes on that I, that we need to talk about as well. But regardless of that, so Britain does this merely to buy time. OK, and maybe France did it for the same reasons where they show support for Poland. The Nazis know that they that there's this support. And so it causes the Nazis to think twice. Now, but the whole purpose here, Britain had had no power, had no ability to really defend Poland whatsoever. Um, in fact, you know, a lot of historical commentators would say it's downright insulting what Britain did with Poland because Britain didn't have, you know, the military power to back up their pact, you know, to back up their deal with Poland. And France was barely in a position either. OK. And to prove the point, like just in case you think, oh, well, you know, this is what a historical revisionists are, you know, that's what they fucking say. Well, of course, what happens um, in, you know, Germany does start invading. Britain's not able to do a whole lot. And to make matters worse, you know, Britain won't step in into Polish territory as soon as just a bit le- you know later on, the Soviets end up invading Poland. OK, because at the time and, you know, most people think, oh, yeah, the Soviets really, you know, they, they stuck it to Hitler. They, you know, Stalin really gave us a hand with that, blah, blah, blah. Uh, No, actually, in 1939, you had um, what do they call it? The Kami Nazi pact or whatever. It has a different name. It's like the Molotov ribbon something uh, pact that Stalin and Hitler sign where they pretty much they divvy. They divvy up Eastern Europe and they say to each other, hey, okay, you're going to get this much of Poland. Yeah, take a little bit of Finland here. Lithuania, that's all you. and And we'll take this much, you know. Now, the thing is, is that when when the Soviets start invading Poland, okay, you know, the uh, uh, the Polish ambassador in in London says, hey, the Soviets are here. You want to send some guys to take care of that? And Britain says, oh, well, you know, actually, if you read line one of our pact, we're only going to deal with the Germans, You know, I'm sorry to to hear that another country fucking came in, uh, but, you know, we didn't agree to that. And so that's the thing, is that all of this... That whole pact with Poland was just a way or it was a hope on Britain's part to buy time to, you know, build up their military more or to do whatever actions, you know, diplomatic or uh, alliance side or whatever that they wanted to do, um, you know, before they really went, you know, balls in on, you know, against the Nazis and so on. Uh, I mean, and also understand that Britain was trying to make to cut a deal with Stalin before Stalin made a deal with Hitler. And for varying reasons, you know, whatever it is, the slowness, the inefficiency of the talks, um, that deal never goes through where Britain and Stalin, you know, uh, end up end up signing their their own pact. Um, but once again, bottom line, that deal never goes through. OK, like they they never, you know, Stalin and, and Britain, at least at this point in 1939, uh, don't see eye to eye and they, they don't agree as far as, again, what happened around that? What's the reality around that? you know, some things will always be lost to history though. We can, you know, certainly make some suppositions, but I'm setting up for you. What could have really, you know, there, there is an importance to telling you all of this and telling you exactly what happened there. Okay. Um, I mean, and, and again, you know, if the reason that, I guess, you know, maybe, I mean, again, there's never only one reason, but one of the major reasons could have just been simply that Britain wouldn't wouldn't sign a deal with the Soviets because they were just so damned anti-communism and all the rhetoric and to sign a deal with the Soviets would have looked awfully strange in the eyes of uh, of the British people. I mean, it, you know, it could have been something down to that. Anyway, when this invasion starts occurring in September of 1939, you know, Germany and the Soviets invading Poland. Finally, Britain and France say, OK, we'll enter the war. Of course, granted, I mean, in August, that previous August, Britain is doing I, I don't know, they, they loaned them so many millions of dollars. The, uh, the the you know, Poland ended up buying some planes and everything off of France. And yeah, I mean, there was like a, it was all a very small degree of help. And even when they enter the war, what does Britain do? Like they don't exactly go bombing Germany. They're more or less like, you know, doing recon and dropping off leaflets. You know, which I mean, leaflets are a thing, you know, saying, hey, you know, your your government's evil, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, I was when I was in the military, I was in psychological operations and, you know, pamphlets and leaflets and shit like that is still very much order of the day, especially in, uh, you know, shall we say, less developed parts of the world. So, you know, I I know what that's like. That part of war hasn't changed much. Um, I mean, granted, that's not the only thing I did when I was in the military. But regardless, I you know, I have some understanding of that. But that's basically all that Britain did. Um, And that's not that's not much. <laughs> okay. So Poland ends up getting screwed in 39, just like Czechoslovakia honestly was screwed in 38, you know, same exact deal. In fact, Poland should have, I'm not going to blame Poland, uh, but they, <laughs> they should have, they should have paid attention. <laughs> okay. To how, how shit went down with the, what was it? The Munich agreement or whatever back in 38. Uh, oh boy. Anyway, war, what is it good for? So I guess to, to answer the I'm going to reread the question. So we I think I set the stage. And again, it ends off with the fact that, yes, once, you know, this this pact with Poland gets made, the Brits don't give anywhere near the amount of support and money that they were saying that they were going to. France doesn't help out a whole bunch. But basically, come September 1939, when Soviets, when initially the Germans and the Soviets later on in the month, uh, you know, do start invading Poland. Britain and and France officially enter World War Two. Okay, and that and granted, like I said, Britain at first really doesn't do a whole hell of a lot. Uh, So, and of course, we all know what happens to France during World War Two. But regardless of that, let me reread the question. So you got the setup. You understand what's going on here. I hope I told the story as best as I can here Um, during World War Two. Here's the question again. During World War Two, do you believe that if Great Great Britain had not guaranteed the security of Poland? okay, again, stallion breaking in the idea was is that they were guaranteeing polish independence and that was meant to be a bulwark against the expansion uh, expansionist Ideas and plans of Nazi Germany, right? Okay, so the security of Poland and completely not involve itself with Poland's problems, therefore not entering into World War II, that the Soviet Union would have still ruled over Poland after World War II, If Britain had uh, just had not done anything when the Nazis invaded Poland and instead let the Soviet Union and the Nazi Germany fight for Polish territory or in, in, and Nazi Germany fight for Polish territory. Okay, so let's talk about the question itself. So, if Britain did not cut that deal, okay, with, um, you know, with with Poland, if Britain and France didn't end up cutting that deal, because basically that, that, you know, still signing that pact with Poland is what forced, arguably forced their hand to enter World War II. Here is a very short version of what I think could have ended up happening, okay? And the short version is this, that... Again, France, you know, a lot of countries still reeling from World War One, Poland included. Okay, still reeling from from World War One. They were not prepared, much like Germany had very quickly become prepared. And, you know, Soviet Russia had become, you know, a military force like, frankly, the, the world had yet to see at that time. With those things in mind, and again, U.S. not even in the picture. United States not even a part of the picture right now in 1939. Of course, you know, the U.S. wouldn't really enter it until 41. I do think that what ended up happening not not much longer after the, the Communazi Pact was made, where, you know, eventually, uh, you know, just, just some time down the line, Nazi Germany would, would invade the people they made the, the you know, the, the, uh, uh, the neutrality pact with, that being, you know, the Soviets, Soviet Russia, um, that I, I think that they would have ended up pretty much what, what would have occurred. Britain wouldn't have entered the war, most likely, because, again, they weren't ready. They couldn't. They shouldn't have done it when they did. And even when they entered the war, like I said, all they were doing was reconnaissance and dropping off leaflets, okay, uh, I mean there, one could argue there is more to it than that that actually you know the leaflets and a lot of other things that they were doing that there was there was bigger shit going on, like the idea that britain with the help of all things alistair crowley was engaging in a uh some kind of spiritual psychological or you know oh boy uh getting into well shall we say a supernatural or occult cult war with germany uh that that's a whole other thing that i mean there's there's people who've made fictional stories around that we're not going to go there okay <laughs> we're, we're, we're not going to talk about that part of this whole thing But what I think would have, you know, and and thus the leaflets would have actually had, like, perhaps a cult purpose. Right. That's what that gets into. But basically, I think that's that the USSR and Germany would have beaten each other to pulps to where they I mean, they, they would have they would have eliminated each other to the point of meaninglessness. Okay. and now, sadly, within that, I think a lot of polls would have died. And that's a very sad situation. You know, no one's I'm not saying that in any way that this is this. I mean, there is an argument that I'm going to make where where things could have turned out, quote unquote, better. But better doesn't always mean good. Better doesn't always mean right. OK. So. uh yeah, I think they would have ended up offing each other, and it would have been, you know, it would have been the last battlefield right there uh, be- between those two, and both the United States, Britain, and others would have never had to, would never have had to have entered the war. They just there would have been no need um, because those two powers would have just taken each other to the brink until they really couldn't fight anymore. Um, I I think that's, I, I mean, because it really it turned into. A- <laughs> In a lot of ways, it turned into a dick measuring contest, you know, and, and Hitler proved that point when he decided to break the communist Nazi pact. But, yeah, I, I think they would have more or less ended up offing each other. Um, and in so doing, ironically, the the U.S. could have. And in fact, it would have happened. Here's the thing is that I think some people say, well, because because here what I'm about to tell you is, is that the U.S. would not have had to enter World War II at all. Okay. now you could argue, but without that, we wouldn't have nuclear power. We wouldn't have the advanced world that we live in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, That's uh, that's a lot of heavy speculation. I'm only speculating what would happen within a time frame of about five years. You're speculating what would happen within almost a century. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) you know. There's things that that, that that are responsible to speculate, and then there's things that are irresponsible to speculate, and you are being irresponsible if you think because the U.S. doesn't enter World War II that we wouldn't live in the high-tech civilization that we do right now. In fact, you know, go ahead and defend that high-tech civilization, because right now it ain't doing so good for the human condition, baby. All right? As we talk about every week on Sovereign Tech, it's one of the main themes of the show. Uh, as much as we love technology, you know, or I certainly, you know, am a, am a fan of most of it or a lot of it anyway. So I don't think my point in saying that is I don't think World War II would have gotten to the point of 1941. I don't think it would have lasted that long to where Pearl Harbor could occur to where, you know, the Japanese would or Japanese government would do, et cetera, you know, <laughs> the emperor, whatever, you know, would end up doing X, Y, Z, you know, in, in concert with the Nazis. Okay. Like, I just don't think any of that would have ended up happening Um, I think that you know in general like the death toll would be significantly less the degree of destruction uh, particularly within Britain itself you know various British towns and other areas of Europe would have been significantly less Um, you know now between the Nazis and the Soviets themselves the death toll would be significantly higher perhaps um, than what it ended up being certainly on the Soviet side but Regardless of that, is that you would have had. In fact, I dare say that maybe a more a, a more League of Nations styled body, and I don't mean the UN, okay, but like a more League of Nations styled body, probably would have been see, would have been seen as more legitimate and would have been able to continue on if. You know, Britain and America and everyone else, you know, actually didn't enter that war, and it just ended up being not a world war, but a war between, uh, you know, the Nazis and the Soviets, and they ended up more or less beating each other to a pulp because they they would have never given up, um, you know, but, but like but between the two, it, it just it, it seems pretty clear that 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 wasn't going to happen. Um, I mean, like there was no way that Hitler was going to allow you know the Soviet Union to continue on and. You know, Stalin, of course, had his own his own dreams and desires. But again, basically, I mean, understand the League of Nations didn't dissolve until what, 46, 1946, until after World War Two. You know, then you get into the conversation of the United Nations and so on. Um, but I think the League of Nations would have been would have been seen as a success As no, if we stand for peace and not enter these conflicts, et cetera, um, you know, that 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 we all or whoever's involved with the League of Nations is better for it and that that could that would have ended up happening. Okay, And now, if I wanted to get a little irresponsible with my speculation, I would argue that today we would literally be under a one world government if that ended up happening. So decide for yourself whether or not, I mean, if you want to count it in death toll it's pr- and, and destruction of, you know, of, of various uh, geographic areas, it's a better situation in that sense, as in the death toll would be less. The destruction would be less. Um, and peace, as it were, might be seen as a more viable option. Diplomacy, you know, uh, would be seen as a more viable option in the conventional sense. But you would also probably be under a one world government. You'd be under the League of Nations, which, you know, would be I mean, that would be the score. Um, so that that's my opinion of what would have you know really ended up happening if Britain again, the idea of Britain signing that pact with Poland is effectively the moment or would become the moment that Britain and France would enter World War II and that would be the catalyst that would eventually get everybody else into World War II. Uh I mean yeah, you could say Pearl Harbor's what got uh the you know the United States involved in the matter. Um I would argue that it was happening much before then and that it would have happened eventually, you know, really either way if it got as far as 1941. But again, if that pact with poland was never made i don't think world war ii a they would have never called it world war ii um it was still an extension of world war one and you know the aftermath of world war one but it wouldn't have been considered a world war we'd probably just call it the nazi uh you know the nazi soviet war uh you know now because that's all it really would have ended up being and, again, the main political center of the planet would be in Geneva right now, right, with the the, the, the palace where the League of Nations had their main, you know, where, where their headquarters was. Um, that'd probably be the deal that we live in today. But that's me being a little irresponsible by thinking that far ahead. Uh, but, you know, in, an, in a broader sense, I'm not making an argument for one world government. I, I'd never make an, argue for gov- for an argument for government. Fuck that. Okay? I'm an anarchist. But... Um, peace. It would probably be a bit more of a peaceful planet, you know, in, in that just because, you know, the idea of non-interference would be would be taken a lot more seriously, I think. And this gets into a controversial. Even though the one world government thing's pretty controversial on its own, I suppose. This gets into a bit of a con- uh, controversial aspect of World War II that I think is important to cover. A lot of people. Uh, including my people, you know, that being the Jews. Uh, Talk about World War II. Like, a lot of people want to point at that as, okay, even, like, libertarians and even some anarchists, they want to say, well, war is bad, you know, we want to be anti-war, but, yeah, you know, Hitler had to go down, World War II uh, had to happen, you know, America had to enter that, blah, 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 like, all this had to occur. And, look, I, I mean, I didn't even get into the speculation that if, basically, if Japan... Um, never. And, and really, I don't think Japan was originally agreed upon with, you know, like the, the Axis powers, the Axis pact between Japan and, and Germany and Nazi Germany that had more to do with dealing with Stalin than it had to do with, uh, with dealing with America, in my opinion. But that's, that's besides the point. But basically, a lot of people, you know, but or sorry, I was going to say, because, you know, who knows what Japan would look like right now if it never really had to deal with the after effects, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. OK, uh, anyway, so a lot of people point at World War II is, no, that's the necessary war. That's the one where, yeah, I know you need a military. Yeah, we, we, we got to do that. Blah, blah. Um, I think that, you know, again, if Britain didn't do the deal with Poland, that that Idea would not be pervasive in our culture, uh, which would be a fine thing, I must say, you know, if people didn't think that wars were somehow necessary because they never are and they're not, okay? Um, But I want to make it clear that, look, World War II, regardless of any of that, let's just say history played out the way that it played out. Well, it did, okay? World War II is, again, and this is the case I was making at the beginning of the show, World War II is really just World War I. There aren't really two world wars. There's just one great war. And it just went on for a long time. Okay, and maybe it had a respite for a little while while various forces were rebuilding. Not only the quote-unquote bad guys, right, like Germany, but also the good guys like Britain, which is what got us into this mess in the first place, because that's why they did the whole deal with Poland. But basically, if World War I never happened, World War II would have never happened. And I want you to remember back to grade school, high school, take your pick, when you learned about World War I. Why? Why did World War I happen? Oh, because some prince was shot? Some guy named Ferdinand or something? You know, was, or whoever was shot? Really? If World War II is really just an extension, and look, any honest historian is going to tell you that, Okay, they they want to talk about it like it's separate because they need to, because if you realized that it was just an extension of World War One, you know, if you got past the marketing of World War, the terms World War One and World War Two and realized it was just one great war, you would no longer be able to make that argument that World War Two was necessary. Because you would look at World War One and you'd and you'd start to get critical about that. And you'd have to, you know, you'd be asking yourselves the questions like, wait a minute, why the fuck did it, especially if you're just, you know, I mean, I know I have an international audience or should I say a global audience, uh, fuck nations, you know, if you're, if you're just an American, you know, ask yourself like, wait, why did we get into that war? What was the deal behind that? Yeah, exactly. There are no good answers for why, uh, world war one happened at all. It was totally World War One was absolutely and not even on the side of the bad guys on the side of the good guys like Britain and so on. It was absolutely a war based upon their own expansionist greed and, you know, and ambitions. It's a disgusting display of humanity. That World War I ever happened. And there was a very strong and there are there are some books by authors I'm not exactly a fan of, but there's some great books out there uh, that talk about the very strong anti-war sentiment in America during World War I, because, you know, people weren't dumb. People are people. They weren't dumb back then. They knew they were like, wait a minute. Why the hell are we getting in this war? This is nonsense. And then even the people that fought in it, Smedley Butler and so on, or uh, go down, the, you know, go down the list of uh, uh, the veterans from World War One that ended up becoming staunchly anti-war. Yeah, there's a problem. World War Two was not necessary because World War One was not necessary. They are both a sham of a war. Now, my people again, you know, and whatever, I'm, I'm all about getting to, you know, <laughs> where. <laughs> where we're just humans, or maybe something beyond. Okay, but the Jews, you know, getting uh you know, having the genocidal act done against them um in World War Two, again, none of that would have ever had to have happened if it wasn't for World War One. All right. But then you say, yeah, but then, you know, look. We were, we we're dealt the cards. We were dealt in history. Aren't you glad that America stepped in to win World War II and stop your people from getting off in record numbers, Stallion? You know, come on, let, let, let's, let's be pragmatic about this. I, look, I don't know that America gave a rat shit, or should I say the American government, okay, and, and understand we're largely talking about governments here, not necessarily the people within it. Um, I don't know that the American government gave a damn about my people. Okay, in fact, it it appears quite the opposite. Um, There have been plenty of reports where Franklin, you know, FDR, Franklin Roosevelt, where he was clearly anti-Semitic. He wrote in documents that he wanted to put all of the Jews that, you know, that would end up coming to America. Uh, There's an irony there, Neil Diamond. But all the Jews that would end up coming to America because of this, put them all in Oregon I mean, he, you know, you effectively wanted to do what, well, I guess what a lot of Americans have done for a long time where you just put the Indians on the reservations. Right. Uh, and I, I use normally I use the term native Americans, but I use the term Indians in reference to how American, you know, a lot of Americans at the time would say it, you know, they just wanted to, you know, toss us onto the reservation. Right. And I mean, just look at how, you know, I mean, to say that America, America is like the great hero. Are you kidding me? The fucking internment camps and all the bullshit that they did to to anybody that just looked Asian in the United States. And you're going to tell me that, that that's they're on the side of ethics. My fucking ass. My Hebrew ass at that. No, I have, I have no, you know, the reasons why anybody got involved just like the reasons that, you know, Britain, look, Britain didn't want to go. I don't, or at least at the time they weren't ready to, they weren't, you know, signing a deal with Poland because, oh, we got to give a shit about Poland. No. They signed a deal with Poland because they had to give a shit about themselves and they needed to buy time for themselves to get ready. Poland be damned. Obviously, they didn't care about Poland or they would have at the very least. I mean, because what they even agreed to do for Poland in, in August of 1939, you know, here, we'll, we'll give you so many millions, uh, you know, pounds of dollars, whatever. Uh, and, you know, and you, can, you can buy planes from France or, you know, something. I mean, they cut everything that they promised to Poland. They cut it in half or less. Don't give me the argument that there was one side of this war that was somehow more ethical. That's nonsense. Oh, great. FDR wasn't going to actually put Jews in ovens. He was just going to put them in Oregon. Folks, have you been to Oregon? I'm kind of kidding about that part. But you get my point is that at the end of the day, it's all the same. No one was given a damn about the Jews. Hell, Jewish refugees came to the shores of the United States during World War II, and they were told to leave. They were told to turn your ass around. Don't give me this crap that there was one side of this war that was somehow the better of the bunch, okay? It takes two to tango? Well, here you go. War is ugly. War is unnecessary. There is no argument for a just war. That's, that's such Christian horseshit catholic more at that okay that that's such nonsense stop there's bad guys on every side the only good guys in this whole thing are the people that said fuck this shit you know and gave put up two middle fingers to any concept of war getting tossed at them and i say that as someone who unfortunately has fought in wars literal wars So if you think I can't talk or I'm some kind of peacenik, I mean, I am now, sure. But I wasn't always. No, there's no argument for this crap. There's no way that you can say that it's necessary. There's a million points, which is what we were describing. And this is such a great question, because here was a point in time where a lot of people didn't have to die. A lot of war machine didn't have to get built. A lot of things didn't have to happen. And history could have played out a whole hell of a lot differently and a lot more peacefully if this little piece of paper didn't get passed between two countries. Give me a break. Stop arguing for war. You know, I love the old saying. There's a, a, I don't know that it's actually a Chinese proverb, but it gets attributed as a Chinese proverb of all things. Um, you know, man who says there's... There, how does it go? It's something like... Like, if you think I'm I'm not even going to try to say the original way, but the basic gist is, is that if you think there isn't always an alternative to lethal force, you've never had a mosquito on your balls. Bingo. There's always alternatives to war. There's always there's always an option for peace or there's always an option where, you know, the violence can in a very real way just just put an end to itself. Because I mean that that's well. How's the old saying go too? Right? You know, when you fight fire with fire, all you're left with is ashes. So again, don't don't give me this crap that well. We had to stop Hitler. No, we whatever the fuck that means. Okay, we needed to never even get involved or even you know or have. I mean, there isn't even a good reason, but World War One should have never occurred. It should have never been a world war. If Britain wanted to break up the Ottoman Empire, then have the British Ottoman War. Okay, not the Great War, not World War One. You're coming at me and the world and history with a completely false premise. You have not done enough reading. You have not done enough research. You have not thought about it hard enough. And I suggest you do. So I knew that that, that question was going to – because it's been a while since I've been able to talk about this sort of thing. Um, I really – actually, I the, the person that asked this, uh, just a tremendous patron, has been a listener to the show for a long time. I really appreciate you. Uh, she's wonderful. And so – Thank you for asking that because I think it got to bring up a very important conversation, and uh, and I like I, I do you know I, I dig this sort of thing where you get into alternative histories and so on. I I like those kinds of conversations. We've we've had those before on uh, on Wednesday Q and As back in the day. I remember someone asked about William the Conqueror, uh, and you know some other things like shit with ancient Rome and so on. Uh, these are these are very interesting things to consider. Just how you know history could have played out differently, and in a very real way, it allows us perhaps to even mentally prepare or consider alternatives to similar events, because like I started this all off with, like Santayana said, those who do not remember history are destined to repeat it. Well, perhaps those who consider how history could have been different are destined to resolve that matter and to keep it, you know, and keep it from repeating itself as well. So, hey, great. Um, Anyway. All right. Now. (laughs) After that long drawn out conversation, we, well, it wasn't drawn out. It all needed to be said. I am so happy to talk about, uh, this album of the week. Let's get into our album of the week and, uh, Oh baby, I guess quick though, just so you know, like what, what other content I was, or what other questions I was going to talk about. I had someone, uh, message me through Patreon with a couple of great YouTube videos, um, about Linux versus windows and how Linux is so superior. Uh, they were dynamite videos. I want to cover them and talk about the reasons and break them down, uh, you know, and spend the time on them. So those are coming up, but I really appreciate getting those videos. I thought that they were, they were very well done, even though I do have some critiques on what they had to say, but obviously in general, of course, I'm, you know, all about Linux over windows. Like, yes, use Linux by all means. So, anyway, uh, album of the week. I don't know when this is actually officially supposed to drop. I had a hard time finding this answer, uh, but I you can find it. Uh, there's the website getmetal.club, which I uh, really enjoy. It's also available on um, torrent sites, uh, but it looks like on most major music services, you can only get your hands on a couple of songs. But this is by a guy who I only discovered a few years ago, but whose first album came out in the early or uh, the mid '80s. And he is easily one of my favorite musicians of all time. I think he is brilliant. I think he's a fucking genius. He was originally the guitarist during the 80s for Alice Cooper. Um, on a couple of Alice Cooper's best albums, um, in my opinion, uh, which include c- included uh, Razor Fist and Yell and Constrictor, probably my two favorite, and then, of course, that's followed up by Trash, which is, uh, no, that's the name of the album, Trash, and, and it's great. You know, Alice, Uncle Alice is the man. I love Alice Cooper. Uh, but those are probably my three favorite albums overall. Uh, Kane Roberts, I don't think, would have so much to do with Trash, but that's who we're talking about is Kane Roberts, who has had a, a few albums over time. Um, his two main albums, were of course his self title Kane Roberts and then his second album which came out like in 91 or something Saints and Sinners which had a Bon Jovi pen track on there uh, I those two albums Kane Roberts and Saints and Sinners are two of the best metal slash hard rock whatever albums you'll ever hear in your life in my opinion they blow my mind how fucking great they are Um, I mean, and and, and actually it blows my mind overall. There's a huge conversation that could be had overall around like what Alice Cooper, you know, wrought into the world at that time, Um, you know, with especially his kind of because when he came out with Raise Your Fist and Yell and Constrictor and then finally Trash. Alice Cooper was really rebranding himself after getting out of some form of rehab or something, but he was very much rebranding himself as a a serious eighties metal act. And I think he delivered. I like, I think he, especially with trash. I mean, that's arguably his biggest album or one of his biggest albums of all time next to maybe welcome to my nightmare. Um, But you got to understand that at the time, Alice Cooper in his band has Kane Roberts, Kip winger. Fuck. Yeah. And I'm not kidding. Okay, I mean, hey, I love Beavis and Bud, I know they always they'd always rip on Stu for you know uh, uh, for listening to to, to uh, you know to Winger, but no, Winger's a badass fucking band, and yes, it is. Sh- shut up, you haven't listened to it. No, you haven't. Yeah. Not until you listen to Little Dirty Blonde, Easy Come Easy Go, and so on. Yeah, stop. So anyway, I mean, like he he, Alice Cooper, who himself is a force and just one of the greatest musicians in history uh and artists in history really, because I mean he's more than a musician. You know, spawns out Kane Roberts, who for whatever reason doesn't take off. In fact, even I when I the way I first heard about Kane Roberts was back oh shit. Well again, it was a few years ago. In fact, I remember talking about it like in an opening of Sovereign Tech Prime. It was probably five years ago. And I said, holy shit, I've heard the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life and I had no idea it was there and I don't know how I missed it. Um, but it was it was on an, uh, the, an episode of the Eddie Trunk show, which is one of like two or three podcasts that I still listen to on the Eddie Trunk show. He had the producer for those two albums that I mentioned, Kane Roberts, self-title and Saints and Sinners, OK, on the show. And he was and and. I love it when when Eddie Trunk talks to like the more of the the background people as far as music goes I mean, it's great to hear from lead guitarists and singers and big bands and everything but Or who used to be big bands But when you get to talk to like the producers and sound mixers and all these other cats I mean like that's you that's when you really found out the you know, you find out real gems um, About a lot of you know, maybe your favorite music if you're like me and so he had the producer on for Kane Roberts. I mean, and this is a guy that produced a bunch of other acts. And Eddie Trunk asked him like, "Who's the guy, you know, what's the act that you thought, shit, they didn't get they didn't get the traction that they should have or they didn't pop like you expected them to?" And he came right out and said Kane Roberts. He said Kane Roberts had everything. Cuz if you've ever seen Kane Roberts, the guy's huge. I mean, he is he is jacked as shit. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger with a guitar. It's it's incredible and he looks so badass and I love it. Um and and he said he's like that guy just had everything going for him. He should have been the heartthrob. He should have been a huge deal. And he had even had that that one song. Uh, Does anybody really fall in love anymore? Off Saints and Sinners again. That was written by Bon Jovi, uh, by John Bon Jovi. He's like it all. All of it should have come together to to be the biggest thing in history. And he and the the producer said I can't believe that it didn't. Brilliant fucking interview. Amazing. And so that's how I found out about Kane Roberts. And I listened to it. And I listened especially to those two albums. And hot diggity damn. <laughs> Is that some of the best music you've ever heard? Triple X. I love that song, Uh, Triple X. There's so many. Wild Nights, Twisted, um, I'm Not Looking for an Angel. Fuck, probably my favorite. Next to Triple X, that's probably my favorite song by Kane Roberts. I'm Not Looking for an Angel. Opens right up with moaning, you know, with women moaning and everything. It's perfect. All right. So... Suffice it to say, I love Kane Roberts. <laughs> like, like, I really, really love him. And he had a couple other things. He did a thing called, like, Phoenix Down um, that, that was like a band that did some game music and whatever, like maybe even like a little tribute to Final Fantasy and so on. Uh, and also he had a two-disc come out in the aughts called Unsung it Unsung Radio, which was a lot of unreleased tracks that he did, which was fairly interesting. But none of that stuff holds up to his first two albums. Now, You can find on various resources, Uh, you can find his new album, which is uh, again, I don't have an exact release date, but you can find the whole album now. Uh, And it's called The New Normal. Uh, The cover art for it is interesting, has a woman wearing some very interesting things. Not like I don't know. I don't exactly think it's sexy, which is sort of a lost opportunity. I wouldn't. I think Kane Roberts should have been on the cover of this damn album, but whatever. So it's called the New Normal. Uh, opens right up at the track called King of the World, which actually features Nita Strauss, who she. Now, if you want to put somebody on sex, something sexy on the cover, you put Nita Strauss on your fucking cover. Of course, she had an album come out uh, later in 2018 that was an album of the week. That was pure dynamite. Uh, one of the best albums of the year, easily. I mean, Nita Strauss, she is amazing. And ironically, Nita Strauss is now Alice. I mean, the, the beauty of this, of having Nita Strauss guest guitar on this album, is Nita Strauss is now in the position that Kane Roberts was in the 80s. She's Alice Cooper's guitar player. Alice Cooper uh, comes in on this, uh, on this album as well. You, you instantly know his vocals when you hear them uh, and does brilliant work. It, it's a good album. I don't know if I want to call it Great. Okay, there's a lot there. The I don't know what word to use. I'm going to use a 90s term. The, the it could use a little more grindage. Like there there's just something there's an edge kind of missing from from this album that I I can't exactly put my finger on, but I've already listened to it like 3 4 times. Okay? In fact, I was driving the other day, and I mean, I, I, you know, cranked it all the way through, uh, on my good long drive, and uh, which was awesome because it was already you know a great day, and I was like, oh fuck, (laughs) and there's a Kane Roberts album out, woo, (laughs) you know, (laughs) how could I get, how could a guy get happier? Because I didn't know that this was coming. I don't know how I didn't know. Because again, I'm such a huge fan of Kane Roberts, but it's out there, Um, and yeah, I mean, it's good. It's just not great, okay. In fact, maybe the best thing to happen because of it. I mean, the the song King of the World, Forever Out of Place. I mean, there's some good tracks on there, but it just doesn't it's not as sexy as those first couple albums. Now, one of the beautiful things that actually, again, that did come out of this was somebody on Pirate Bay put up uh, a great torrent of Kane Roberts entire discography. And this included a version of Saints and Sinners. Now, understand Saints and Sinners at the time, five years ago, there was no streaming service that had it and you couldn't buy it digitally. I had to buy the CD back then, five years ago. Okay. Um, and that's fine. Now there are streaming services that have it, but what also those streaming services don't have now, they just have the regular, whatever American standard edition that came out like in 91 of saints and sinners in this discography on pirate Bay. There is, uh, and I'm not going to link to it, there is a, uh, a version of Saints and Sinners that has four new tracks on it, and, uh, like, I don't know if it was a Japanese edition or what, but it has four, four other tracks on it. A couple of them sound like really rough cuts, but then a couple of them, couple of them are perfectly polished, and it's new Kane Roberts, effectively from 1991, and that's worth it alone. And ironically, most of those songs are 10 times better than anything on, on the new album, on the 2019 album, the new world from Kane Roberts. But that's a beautiful thing. Like, I'm so happy (laughs) that I was able to get those four tracks, uh, because, you know, the more Kane Roberts I can get in my life, the fucking better. Uh, absolutely. So, and also, um, I didn't have, I had the, I know that the, the, the double disc album unsung radio was a limited edition. Um, I've had that for years that that wasn't a problem. Uh, but the uh phoenix down album i also i did not have and that that torrent fortunately had that in there but it's not i'm it's not something i'm going to do for album of the week it's not that good you know uh but anyway i mean because kane roberts ended up becoming like a game developer and everything and i think that phoenix down kind of came out of that so wow i mean i just i can't believe there's a new kane roberts album um i'm happy that it exists uh, I think, you know, and when it like officially gets gets dropped, I will I will definitely buy a copy because I want Kane Roberts to make money and I want him to make more music and I want to send him the signal to do so. Uh, but for right now, I'm enjoying listening to it before uh, I get the chance to actually purchase it. So and and it is again, it's good. OK, uh, but it, it doesn't. It just doesn't, you know, the songs off of Kane Roberts the self-titled album and off of Saints and Sinners pretty much all of them have to do with sex and they're all really cheesy. These songs are neither cheesy nor are they all exactly about sex. Some of them kind of get there, but but not exactly and it just, I don't know. It almost it does I don't want to say it sounds like a toned down Manowar, which he would be such a great fit in Manowar, wouldn't he? But <sighs> Yeah, it, it just, it's not, I, I, I really wanted something more, but it is good, you know, and, and if I, if Kane Roberts were right in front of me, obviously I wouldn't argue with him because his arms are bigger than mine, which that's kind of, maybe it might be saying something. No, <laughs> I'm not that big, <laughs> not yet anyway, uh, but <laughs> uh, I wouldn't argue with him for that, but also I would say, damn man, nice work, you know, uh, because, I mean, it—it it, it's still good, you know, it's just not, it's not... Maybe if I wasn't looking for what he did, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I, you know, maybe I, I'd feel differently about this album, but I, I still got to mention it. It's still album of the week just because God damn it. It's Kane Roberts and Kane Roberts is the fucking man. So anyway, there you go. That's our album of the Week, and that is our episode. Uh, so, I, <laughs> you know, one episode, one topic. Sometimes that's how it ends up shaping up. Uh, but anyway, feel free to ask your questions, send your feedback uh, to me uh, via the channels available through Patreon um, or through, you know, any other, my email address or something like that. Uh, you know, feel free to, to, to get in touch with me. So that'll wrap it up for this, baby. Uh, whew, I will see all of you on the other side.